Hello, Internet. Uh, from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 540 of uh, F5 Live, Refreshing Technology for Sunday, October 20th, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Google has given up its daydream. Blizzard is giving up their loyalty, and tech companies may longer may no longer give up your data. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, um, on any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Periscope, Twitch, Mixer, YouTube Live, and Facebook Live, um, on any of the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, the myriad of others like TuneIn, Pandora, and Spotify, or of course, on our website, PluckIt'sLive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is through one of those live platforms, Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can get links to all of our partners and all the different ways that you can view. And more importantly, you can chat with us in the studio as we talk about our topics. Avram and I love to hear what you have to say about the topics as we go on. So uh, please feel free to do that. Um, I am hearing music coming from somewhere. Um, anyway, uh, if you can't join us live, that's okay. You can always go to pluckitslive.com slash subscribe. And uh, there you'll see all the different ways you can subscribe. Like I said, Spotify, Pandora, um, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch more. Uh, and with that, I think that's the spiel. Avram, how are you doing this evening? Ah, pretty good. Pretty good. It has been a while since we've done a show together. <laughs> yeah, well, we've had a lot of... Uh, we've had... Uh, We've had a lot of stuff going on. Yes, indeed. But, um, it's 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 great to be back. For sure, I I definitely miss miss doing the show, especially when we have longer breaks than normal. What did we have? We had Roboticon and we had a hurricane in there. It's 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 been a weird couple of weeks. Yeah, no doubt. Uh. For those of you who uh, who may not have followed along last weekend, uh, like I said, it was Roboticon Tampa Bay, and uh, it was a tremendous amount of fun. It was, uh, for me, it was the best Roboticon we've ever done. Uh, we had 1,200 students, uh, and that does not include uh, parents and siblings and the general public, and it was it was a huge, huge event and a lot of fun. I'm I'm so glad that it went well. Uh, and that the uh, storm happened this weekend and not last weekend, because that would have gotten in our way for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. What have uh, What have you been yeah, up to the I last mean, couple it's... weeks, buddy? Well, you know, um, hmm. <sighs> well, you know, uh, a lot of a uh, lot of work at work. New products coming in. Uh, new, new redesign of our, of our website, although I'm not the designer, but you know, we had to help with, with the uh, QA of that. Um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, <sighs> just, just dealing with, 
uh, dealing with stuff, but uh, everything is everything is okay. Everything is cool. That, so uh, that's good. You can't ask for too much more than that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and getting yeah, a redesign so, um, of the website out before the holidays. If you're going to do it, now would be the time to do it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, now now's the time that we got to prepare though, because yeah. you know we we try to up our coverage to help people um, with their holiday shopping. So that's that's on the agenda. Of course, we've got a bunch of new uh, of new hardware new hardware in that we have to test and, and report. So ah, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to come. Um, I'm excited for the next few weeks. I got an interesting pitch for a product review this week that I'm looking forward to seeing in action. I don't know if I'm under embargo, so I'm not going to say anything, but we've got that means we've got some really cool product reviews coming because if this one comes through, I think people are going to like it. Oh. Um, and then, obviously, I'm still working on some others as I point at the microphone that has been in front of me now for several months and still have not written the review on because, boy, did Roboticon preparation eat my life. <laughs> but now that that's over and CES is a little ways away, uh, I've got some time to get some stuff done. So expect new stuff from us as well and uh i guess with that how about we get down to some news this week's nifty gifties on f5 live is proudly powered by the microsoft store whether you're looking for a new laptop tablet an xbox one either s or x you're looking for um office or a phone like the Samsung Galaxy S10 or the Note 10. The Microsoft Store has it all. And right now, because we've got the, uh, the new Surface line coming soon, the current Surface line is all on sale. So if you're looking for a great price on, uh, on some great hardware, uh, now would be the time to take a look at uh, the last generation of Surface products, and you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. I was looking at a Pro 6 myself. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, we have talked, Avram, for a long time about VR and AR hardware, but in general, we tend to talk about the dedicated hardware, and we have mostly ignored the um, the add-on hardware, the phone-based or dummy headsets, and uh, we are not alone. It seems that consumers ignored them as well. Um, Samsung and Google were the two pl the two companies that were really pushing them hard, um, and uh, Samsung with the most recent generation of phones, the Galaxy S10 and the Note 10 that I just mentioned. Um, the headsets no longer support uh, the new phones, and uh, the headsets themselves seem to be uh, unavailable. If, if we go back to the Galaxy S8 uh, and Note 8 generation, Samsung was so desperate to have these things out in the wild that if you bought the phone, they gave it to you for free, and people still did not ask for them. Um, including myself, I bought an S8 and never sent in for the free headset um, because I guess reasons. 
Um, it seems that Google had a similar a similar experience with their Daydream hardware, and uh, as part of their announcement uh, event, their hardware event this past week, they announced that Daydream was done, and uh, and that was part of the announcement that was kind of overlooked, right? Because everybody was excited about new hardware, but you know, one of the things that was overlooked was that Daydream is is gone, and um, yes. The hardware is still out there. Yes, there is still software that supports it. However, any big software update to any of these platforms will almost certainly retire that capability, including Hulu, who has already dumped uh, support as part of their big update last month. They must have gotten a heads up on it. Um, So it seems that dummy headsets are done. Do you think it's just that... that VR for the masses wasn't there or is it things like Oculus Go finally being in a in an okay price point what do you, what do you think happened there Avram I think VR still has overall problems at at at, at any price point mm-hmm. uh, but the people who really want VR are the ones who are willing to spend the money on dedicated hardware that's good yeah um so I think that these headsets may have actually hurt uh, VR more than they helped it. Uh, but part of it also was just the controllers were so... I mean, they'd give you like a little remote control or something. It's yeah. like, you know, how am I supposed to game with this? And then just do it, doing taking your phone and sticking it right in front of your face, you know, seems to just overall sort of cheapen the experience. So... I don't know. I never got real excited about them. It just seemed like kind of a a way to try and make it more affordable, which is great, except that except that it, it just sort of really confused the issue. Now, I wonder what this means for Lenovo's Mirage headset. Um, for those not familiar, Lenovo's Mirage is the um, Lenovo's Mirage is the one that plays games the it plays marvel games and it plays uh star wars games and it works with a variety of of phones including i think uh both a number of major android phones and i think it works with iphone um and it it will like let you get in a lightsaber duel with a ar character or do some fighting as like captain america or something um and it has a base station that you put down in the middle of the room to sort of help you track. But it too is another headset, dumb headset where you put the where you put the phone in. So Lenovo's website, when you go to the Mirage solo page, comes up with a uh, pop-up that says, sorry, this product is no longer available. And when you look at the details, it was powered by Daydream. Wow. Well, I gotta wonder. There was the Mirage Solo. What about the Mirage AR with Marvel Dimension of Heroes? That was mentioned because... in the pop-up I just saw. Okay, because wonder... they had two iterations of this. The original one from like a year and a half ago was just Star Wars, and then they came out with a Marvel one. Although the Marvel one looks looks like it's pretty much the same hardware, um, so. And supposedly the Marvel one will play the Star Wars games. Um, okay. But I don't know if that, I mean, because they just came out with that like two months ago. Okay, so the the Marvel Dimension of Heroes headset 
Lenovo Mirage AR with Marvel Dimension of Heroes says it is still available. Uh, it has a coupon. <laughs> um, it does As not. It, should. it does not mention uh, running on Daydream like the other one does. Duds. That's not a word. Does. Um, so that might be why this one is still available. But I do have to say it's very expensive for what it is. Two twenty nine. Two hundred and fifty dollars. So you can. Oh, okay. The list was two fifty. So you can play, like one or two games. So, that's a little bit crazy. Um. But uh, yeah, I mean, the best VR experiences I've had are with like the real deal headsets yeah. that you get like the vive but the same time that stuff is still prohibitively expensive um for sure i still haven't heard of a really killer game to play with them agreed that's that's what's really killing it is that there's there's still not a killer game for this what is the killer game that people that people want to play right yeah and that's that's been my my big thing too. I mean, obviously we've talked that, you know, VR headsets have caused me no end of headaches, but the Vive is the one that I have been able to survive. Um, but what games are there? What is, what is my compelling reason to, uh, to purchase one? I haven't found a, I haven't found a compelling reason to purchase one yet. So, and you know the the demo for uh for the Portal VR thing is not enough for even the most diehard of Portal fans. <laughs> right, it's just it's not eh. yeah, I mean where I think that's the thing the hardware is kind of there but the software isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's that's a hard sell. So I don't know. I don't know if VR is going to I mean We've been VR headsets have been coming out enough that I feel like the category is not dead, but I don't see. But I think that companies have realized that it's not going mainstream very quickly. It's becoming kind of a niche. Mm-hmm. It's becoming kind of a niche. I thought if you asked me a few years ago where, where we would be now, I would say, oh, everybody's going to be using VR. Um, I was wrong. It was, it's, it's turned out to be, is it the software? That's probably the biggest part of it, that there's no really compelling software that people feel like they have to get. Uh, I think the pro barriers, I mean, Samsung and Google to their credit tried to break down barriers to entry, mm-hmm. but they also, as, as did Microsoft to an extent with the uh, Windows mixed reality headsets. Uh-huh. But some of that's the experiences weren't as, as high quality. Like, when somebody uses a Vive and they're walking around the room and it's tracking them, like you have that and it's a transformational experience. Like, yeah, I want to, like, I want this. This is very cool. Um, you just put on the headset for, you know, for Windows Mixed Reality and you get like a blurry tour of like the, what do you call it? The, what do they call it? The, the lake house or something where you're over there and you're going around, you can like run Microsoft Word on a wall. Uh huh. Like, eh. Why am I do? Why am I doing this? Yeah. So, um, the, you know, the Hololens. So I think that obviously the Hololens gives a whole different 
thing, right? Like that's that's its own special thing. Yeah. There's because it's standalone that is yeah. is unique. But yeah, the the Windows MR headsets, other than for a developer to be able to use them to test without having to buy a Hololens, I. <laughs> I didn't see any use for them. Oh, okay. That's 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 a use case, I guess. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Hololens is is fantastic. Yeah. But the good stuff always is is so expensive mm-hmm. that it's either for pro really high end prosumers who are willing to spend this kind of money to get a couple of titles, right? And you know, businesses that you know are not spending anyone's personal money, and they're using it for very specific purposes like ar for example talk getting back for a second to the lenovo mirage ar Mm -hmm. headset like it was kind of a cute idea but actually maybe you don't maybe the um the fun of like fighting kylo ren in your living room isn't that exciting when he's kind of transparent and you see your bookshelf through him and it's like you know what actually i'd kind of rather uh i kind of rather just play a regular video game thanks Mm -hmm. so so I, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of issues there, and these companies saw that like there's there's not much of a future for it on mobile now. I, I hope that means that we will start to see more dedicated hardware, but yeah. somebody still has to do it. Like someone has to come up with a breakthrough app that proves the platform, and I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. It would only take like one or two. Uh, companies getting involved one or two really big titles yeah to to turn to to change the game like if nintendo decided to come out with some kind of mario vr world Mm -hmm. uh, then all of a sudden vr would take off yeah but it seems like all the game companies are are far more interested in ar because there's you know a more interesting set of things that you can do with it and you know we've got obviously Niantic is the the king of the the AR game world because they've got three of the biggest titles but you know you've got uh you know Minecraft world is coming out I mean the preview version is out yes, now I, you know the, yes so I mean my, game yes, companies but, not, but really... not in my town as I'm reminded by my son every day <laughs> He asks me every, almost every day, folks, my seven-year-old son, who's really into Minecraft, asks me almost every day when I come home from work, did you hear anything about Minecraft Earth? I oh. guess it's called Minecraft World now, but it was called Minecraft Earth before, was it? Anyway, did you hear when it's coming out? I'm like, no, it's only in England and a couple other, it's only in like London and there's like three cities in the world or something, like Tokyo, London, and I forget the other, it's like one in, one in the United States. Um, it is definitely Minecraft so, Earth. That was my mistake. Yeah. So, so yeah. He asks me about it every single day. So if anyone has a tip for me on when it's coming to the New York area, let me let me know so I can... Although he'll just keep asking me anyway. If you tell me it's coming in January, he'll say, is it January yet? Uh-huh, yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Yes. But, I mean, that's an. But see, that's a different AR use case than somebody wearing a headset. That's for sure. You're going around the 
with your phone and seeing things that people have put in different physical spaces. But in fairness, you know, I I saw it wasn't obviously it was far from official, um, but there there was a um, a port of uh, Pokemon Go to the Hololens, and it worked like a champ. Uh, and it you know it really well, that would be pretty cool, right? And so you know still with AR hardware of any sort whether it be a phone or a headset or whatever you know the the experience is there and but for gaming it really seems like ar is really the the thing where the companies are focused i mean the only the only truly compelling vr title that i have come across and obviously i'm going to be a little biased on this um was the psychonauts vr game um god I think in the rhombus of ruin or, or some kind of something like that um, from 2017. So two and a half years old, it was a, you know, an early PlayStation VR title. It was a tremendous amount of fun, but even then this title designed for VR still seemed like it was trying to force itself into VR as opposed to like, like with Pokemon go or, or Minecraft earth where there's, it's all the whole game is designed for AR versus trying to force yourself into VR. And that seems the way it's gone. Maybe somebody will come up with some compelling title that is designed for VR, but I think you're right. I think so far nobody's accomplished it. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Pure VPN. Uh, obviously, as uh, as the internet gets weirder and weirder, uh, try, uh, hiding your uh, your browsing history is becoming more and more important. Whether it be from Google and Facebook or just your ISP, and uh, a VPN like Pure VPN is a great way to do that. And right now, for our viewers and listeners, they're they're running a deal where you can get. Uh, for two years of service, you can get $2.88 a month uh, instead of the normal $10.95 as a 74% discount, uh, which is a great deal. And to get that deal, all you have to do is go to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. So it, we, we've talked, I know, obviously, we've talked a lot about the Raspberry Pi <laughs> over the last couple of months because it's an awesome device with so many uses, but uh, you have an interesting thing with it, right? So I wanted to talk a little bit about overclocking and uh, the Raspberry Pi is a good example of something that, that overclocks. So here I have a Pi, a Raspberry Pi 4B and I have a fan on it. Uh, and um, now you too, can get this from its native 1.5 gigahertz speed up to 2.147 or 2147 megahertz speed that's a boost of of more than of more than 25 percent um now if you're not familiar with overclocking you can do this to your pc as well um raspberry pi makes it really easy in that all you have to do is go into a configuration file, a text file um, on the boot disk, 
change a couple of values to actually tell it to go up to uh, this speed and then also tell it to to apply more voltage to the processor. So what are you doing when you're really uh, when you're overclocking? Well, what you're doing is you're forcing the CPU to boost to a faster clock speed, which means it's completing more cycles. It's it's getting through the tasks faster than it would at a lower at the lower speed. So most PC CPUs have what we call a base clock speed. Let's say it's uh, you know let's say it's a Core i5 processor and the base clock speed is you know 2.2 gigahertz, but it also has an advertised boost speed that maybe will take it to you know 3.2 gigahertz or something like that. Um, and what you can do with overclocking is try to force your chip to go even faster than the fastest it's than the fastest that it's rated for. Um, so a lot of a lot of newer PCs actually give you an overclocking overclocking options in the BIOS that are just automatic overclocking. You don't even have to think about how much voltage to apply or try and figure do any anything manual. Uh, but of course you need a processor that's overclockable. Uh -huh. um, obviously with Raspberry Pi, everyone can be overclocked. But with a uh, with a with a Windows PC, if you have an Intel CPU, it has to be unlocked for overclocking, which means it has to be a model with a K at the end of the model number. Uh, so like the Core i9 9900K is the is the top CPU around, and that is unlocked for overclocking. Um, similarly, you if you're on a if you're using an AMD Ryzen chip, uh, they are all unlocked for overclocking by default, but they don't leave a ton of extra um, megahertz on the table, uh, so you you can get a little bit more performance, but not a ton by overclocking. Uh, and of course, there are people people who will just do whatever they can to push the chip to the highest that they can get it. Uh, the key thing to keep in mind is it's very much about a couple of things. Cooling. So Raspberry Pi doesn't come with a fan. Here I have this Pimeroni fan shim uh, on it. It would way overheat uh, being overclocked if I didn't have this cooling on it. Um, we have a writer at Tom's Hardware. His name is Splave. And he is a world, uh, he is often, depending on the week, but usually the number one, world's number one ranked overclocker. And he is a competitive overclocker. He, uh, he, he uses liquid nitrogen to cool CPUs to below, to something like 80 degrees Celsius below zero, uh, to, you know, way below zero in an attempt to get them to go to speeds that you just couldn't, you know, normally get. Maybe you have a processor that's normally 4.6 gigahertz and he can get it up to 7 or 7.2 for a short time by pouring liquid nitrogen on it. Now, that's not really practical for your everyday person and it's not really, when you're doing that kind of overclocking, you're just doing it to compete 
to see how fast you can get it. You're not doing it to use. Um, but everybody can benefit from overclocking. Um, from overclocking, they just you just need good cooling. You need a CPU and motherboard that's supported if you're doing it on a PC. If you're doing it on a Raspberry Pi, check out my article on Tom's Hardware about how to do it because it's really, really easy. Um, but you, everybody can benefit. Now, it leads to the question of why would you need to overclock something? Why doesn't it just come from the factory set at the highest possible speed? What are these companies thinking giving me something that's not set for the maximum speed it can do? Well, the reason why is when they manufacture CPUs at the factory, whether it's an Intel CPU, an AMD CPU, one of these Broadcom chips that's used in, in a Raspberry Pi, they, they're not all created equal. They, it, so, you know, five CPUs made in the same plant uh, around the same time might have different maximum speeds that they could theoretically obtain. You might have something that's rated to go up to 4.6 gigahertz, but really it's capable of doing five and a half gigahertz. But its uh, its brother or sister right next to it might might only get to 5.2 gigahertz because it's called the silicon lottery. Not all chips of the same type are created equal. So the companies know what sort of the lowest common denominator that they can guarantee that these chips will hit and that's what they rate them for and that's what they spec them to do uh, but what you can do is try to push yours to the highest it can achieve so you know what i tried on two different raspberry Pis and i got to exactly 2147 megahertz even one megahertz more than that and the, and it wouldn't boot um you uh you know, you might get a Raspberry Pi that doesn't go any higher than, than two gigahertz. Someone else, who knows? I haven't heard of anyone, but someone else might be able to get theirs up to 2,160 megahertz uh, before before it becomes unstable and won't boot. So that's, that's the fun of overclocking is you've got to try to push your silicon to the limit. And you might luck out and yours might be a little better than mine. Professionals like Splave actually do something called binning, binning, where a company, you know, they, they can't afford to do this on their own, but a, uh, there are companies that sponsor competitive overclockers, and they might send them 20 different copies of the CPU to test, and they might they do something called binning, where they figure out which ones go into the highest speed bin, which of these 20 CPUs you gave me is the best one, and go the fastest, and that's what I'm going to use competitively. So, you know... That's that's uh, you know that's what the competitive that's what the pros do. But you don't need to be a pro. All you need to do is uh, explore the overclocking options in your BIOS. Make sure that you actually have hardware that supports overclocking, and you can get a little bit extra. And if you have a Raspberry Pi, you can definitely do it. Uh, check check out my article on how to do it on Tom's Hardware. And obviously, like you said, um, one of the one of the keys to making it work is is cooling because the the more the more you put through it the hotter the processor will get and the more likely that it will just you know melt off the board not really but you know what i mean uh, um yeah and the, in the last the couple of years I, wanna... I was saying the last couple of years we've gotten lucky as 
as like the water cooling rigs have really become easy to deal with. Um, it used to require like this big external radiator and you had to refill it all the time. Yeah. And, and now, you know, companies like razor have these, these pre-made snap them on fill yeah, and fill them ones kind of never deal with them. all in one. Yeah. No, I think they even come filled a lot of time, but probably the thing is what folks do need to know is that do not worry about, breaking your your hardware through overclocking uh, modern cpus are made to shut themselves off if they get too hot so it's very it's unlikely i mean if you push something to its limit maybe your cpu will wear out sooner maybe you you know maybe a couple of years maybe instead of lasting you you know eight years it lasts you four or something like that so or three you know who knows, you know, you're, you're sort of giving it a little more wear and tear, it's true. But, um, you know, you can certainly get a lot, get more performance. But your computer will not, like, melt or explode from you attempting to overclock it. If you push it too hard, it will simply shut itself off, you know, to, to cool. Or it will downclock itself. Uh -huh. So there's a lot of fail-safes built into modern modern chips be they cpus or, or 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 you can also overclock your graphics card or overclock your memory yeah my my brother was just my brother has been doing overclocking for a while and he told me he, he just did overclocking on his ram and i'm like that uh, obviously there's there's benefit there but it, it is such a weird sentence to say out loud yeah well uh, obviously, yeah, I mean, obviously it's super cool. Like you said, you know, a lot of people can benefit from it. Um, the, the reason why the, the computer that we use for the show is still in place and has not been replaced is because it was from the old, uh, AMD phantom line. And so it, uh, it had some, some pretty heavy overclocking capabilities built into it. It was uh, AMD's early like consumer overclocking and so we've kicked this thing up about 18% above what it what it is uh, consumer rated for. Obviously, we've got water cooling and stuff on it, but you know, it's this thing has way outlived its theoretical usefulness cuz you know, those phantom processors came out with Windows 7. So, the <laughs> This thing has it should not be able to power the show, but it does because of because of overclocking. So there's definitely some benefits out there. Well, I appreciate it, Avram. I have not read your uh, your article on on the Raspberry Pi overclocking. I cannot wait to go take a look at that. Yeah. So we believe that this is the highest anyone has clocked it to. Because um, we're using the latest firmware, uh, but if anybody beats it, please let me know. Well, I hope. Obviously, one of the things in the competitive overclocking world is beat me, right? Yeah, bring yeah, it on, beat me. I, I mean, it, it, it's yeah. I mean, I have nothing but respect and you know just great admiration for. Uh, people like Splave who just do this to push the hardware to its limit. 
um you know there's a real something really great about doing something just to see what the what the maximum is what the limit is for sure well as always avram i i appreciate it this is a a fascinating topic and i cannot wait to see what we uh what we talk about next time This week's Extra Life and F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on PC and console are available from Razer, including <laughs> PC cases and, uh, and uh, CPU coolers and stuff so that you can accomplish <laughs> the overclocking we just talked about, as well as um, other gaming capabilities, such as the new Razer Viper Ultimate taking the best of Razer's mouse technology and making it wireless. Um, I have had the opportunity to use one. Super impressed. Um, and then there's there's a whole bunch more like keyboards like we use here in the studio or mouse like we have in the studio. Uh, webcams with chroma key built in and a whole lot more, including a whole array of stuff for the Xbox One. And to find out all of the things that Razer has available, you can go to f5live.tv slash Razer. So, <laughs> this is a weird topic, and we tend to keep back from from things that are politically charged, but this has been just the weirdest story that uh that i have seen in a while and it goes along with um a number of tech companies have found themselves up against this particular topic and the topic is hong kong now we're not going to take a position on what's going on with hong kong or the the protests are going to stick out of that what we're going to talk about is what how some of these tech companies including blizzard have responded to it um so um, a number of weeks ago, in the time that we've been offline, so just the last couple of weeks, um, during a Hearthstone competition, um, a player won the tournament and made a comment during the live stream after his, after his uh, awards presentation, made a statement uh, in favor of or in support of, not even necessarily in favor of, but in support of the idea of... Uh, Hong Kong being able to protest whatever it is they're protesting. He didn't get into that. He just basically said, um, go, right? Um, and Blizzard responded to it by um, taking away his title, taking away his prize money, and banning him from pro professional play for a year. Now, if Blizzard had a policy in place about not talking politically charged statements during awards acceptances, okay. Um, people might take take issue with the uh, with the the rule, but they don't have such a rule. Um, they were responding to this particular incident uh, with other players having made 
similarly benign statements about other issues in the past, consumers responded immediately and harshly. Um, there was a whole campaign of people uh, closing their subscriptions, canceling their, their subscriptions, and uh, Blizzard claimed that technical difficulties turned off the cancellation process. New people could sign up, nobody could cancel their subscriptions for um, a surprising amount of time. It was several days uh, that it was turned off entirely. Um, that obviously was, was concerning. Uh, Blizzard has, uh, has responded to the backlash. They gave him back his title. They gave him back his money. Uh, but they did leave a ban in place, but for six months instead of a year, uh, finding some sort of a weird common ground. But Blizzard was hoping that would be the end. No. Um, the the, the anti-Blizzard campaign has continued. They have seen subscriber numbers drop. And um, this week, they were supposed to hold, because uh, they just launched Overwatch, which is one of their big titles, uh, on the Switch, which is a big deal. They were going to hold a big live stream uh, retail event at uh, the Nintendo World event in New or, uh, location in New York City, which was canceled the night before. While Blizzard has not said why, um, the prevailing theory is that there were protests planned for outside of Nintendo World, and the live stream would certainly have shown uh, those protests under both the Nintendo and Blizzard banners, um, because... It would be outside the window, and I can guarantee you those windows are going to be covered with Nintendo and Blizzard logos. So they canceled the event, and that set a whole new thing into, into motion with five congresspeople uh, sending a letter to Blizzard's CEO asking for answers on what was going on and whether or not they were kowtowing to the Chinese government. Um, and you know, it takes a special type of thing to get both Marco Rubio and, uh, uh, AOC on the same page, literally as it was a letter. Um, but both of them are signatories on this letter to the CEO. That's a, I think that's a pretty big deal to have brought those two together. Uh, China's a big market, right? Abram? It, yeah, well, the uh, Blizzard is in the same boat now as the NBA, and I think several other businesses. Apple. That they don't, uh, Apple too, they don't want to offend the Chinese, they don't want to offend the Chinese government mm -hmm. because then they could get shut out of that market. Um, on the other hand, by, by censoring or penalizing people for speech that people on their platform, so to speak, for speech that is, um, you know, doesn't uh, meet the approval of the Chinese government, they, by trying not to take a side, they're kind of taking a side, mm -hmm. right? They say, oh, we want to, we want to stay out of this uh, only by silencing the this player who said something 
now all of this now they're actually looking like hey we did take a side now they mm-hmm. of course want to play it want to pl- want to still play it down the middle or something because they don't want to and say oh you know we're, we're silencing him because he spoke about a political issue it doesn't matter what he said if he said he was against the protests in hong kong we would have done the same thing i i don't know i don't know if i believe that um you know but i do feel some um empathy for you know the the spot that the companies put themselves in they want you know they've got a huge market mm-hmm. that's that's in danger and you know this this really highlights some of the challenges of of doing business uh, doing business in the chinese market mm-hmm. is the you know if you rub say something that's you know sort of remotely construable as as you know against the the government's official position then you you could be you could lose a lot of money you could be severely penalized from that market i mean that doesn't happen in most other countries you know i mean you could at least not at least not the ones that we at least not the ones that we do business in right because the other countries that have these types right. of policies are the ones we don't do business in. We don't do business in, business in Iran. We don't do business in North Korea. And China kind of makes number three to have those really strict cultural and speech-based policies. And it's, it's kind of the oddball out of that collection. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's my understanding with Apple, just because I know you mentioned it, but we didn't really talk about it for mm-hmm. the audience, is like, doesn't app, didn't Apple sort of distribute with their new streaming service, distribute a list of like things that they can't say that the whoever's producing the streaming content can't, by, by streaming content, we mean these are like professional TV and movie studios, right? There's things that they can't say because... Like we don't want, we're worried about about offending the Chinese government. Um, that's totally possible. I was unaware of such a list. Obviously, I've been kind of away from things for the last couple of weeks. The one that, the one for Apple that got them in trouble that that is sticking around in my head was there was an app that one of the protest groups had put together to allow them to find each other and to communicate. The Chinese government asked Apple to pull it from the store, and they did. Um, but yeah, I can totally see. You know, in in fairness, Apple did censor a dictionary um, at one point, so they've never been <laughs> they've never been afraid to uh, to to put their their stuff out <laughs> front and center. <laughs> I, I will never forget the censoring of the dictionary. When the app store came out. So, so there's a big story in Vanity Fair about it from, uh, from about a week ago. Okay. And, uh, where, where Apple actually informed, uh, all the showrunners for the shows that are coming out on its new mm-hmm. Apple TV, uh, plus service to, that like, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, say things that would offend the Chinese government. Now, interesting. Uh, you know, my understanding is that they're not 
they're far from they're far from alone in having these types of policies. Yeah. But uh but but definitely uh you know that that is something that that is something that's recently come out. So in addition to the pulling the app um they they're actually on the content which they're responsible for taking a position. Wow. That is a that's a whole different level, isn't it? <laughs> um yeah. Uh you, you know this this kind of thing obviously not video gaming in particular, but you know un, until until Nixon, there was basically no relationship between the West and China. Um, and, you know, culturally, China is so different from basically everybody else on the planet with a with even a semi-open border. Because, again, Iran and North Korea are their own special beasts. Um, because you can't go come or go there at all um china obviously being being the exception um this you know the the tech world could be the thing that reignites we've watched the tensions increase over the last two years three years uh in particular this might finally be the push who knows where they're like you know what the well, the I west can't you can't be here uh, they've built They've built a whole, a whole duplicate, right? They've got they've got Huawei and ZTE for phones. They've you know they've got an infrastructure to be able to to banish the West, just like the West has been trying to banish them. It would be interesting. <sighs> I don't think you know. I don't know that I agree. The West has been trying to banish them. I think there's been a trade war. But uh, companies, uh, Western companies, American companies love doing business in yeah, China. For sure, they like they like the size of the market to sell their products if they can, and they love the inexpensive labor mm -hmm. uh, for manufacturing. So, yeah, I mean, it's I think what you're seeing more and more is not. Uh, companies wrestling with balancing free speech uh, with with uh, being making money in the Chinese market on the most most of the time they're not wrestling with it at all yeah if you've got if we've sure. got to do something to make money we're gonna do it um, we're gonna do it but I think consumers and the public are definitely concerned about that because you know what is now free you know it's not just about free speech in China. It's not like you're saying, okay, uh -huh. Blizzard, you're holding a, a a convention here. We don't want people coming onto our soil and you know and offending our our government, offending our values. But now what you're saying is, well, the fact that anyone on this platform, anywhere in the world, says something that uh, that would be prob problematic for the Chinese government right. now. It has to be policed. So now you're policing the speech of people inside the United States and policing the speech of people inside of Europe. Based, all, all based on rules from because, China. Yeah. So so now it that's setting a standard for the whole globe. Yeah, true. Almost sort of like 
California. It's like California emission standards for speech. Right. Right. Like you have <laughs> automakers who they don't make they don't make like one set of cars for California and another set of cars for Nebraska. Right. So when California raised its emission standards to be to be the toughest in in the United States, they raised this. They they changed it for everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Well, in effect, that's what's happening here. Yeah. Uh, that's a good the way of looking at it. Chinese government has the, is having the most restrictive, uh, you know, take on freedom of expression, and um, and on political speech, and because of that, uh, now that's become going to become that's becoming the norm inside of other countries that have uh, much more liberal standards of what of uh, you know different views on on freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to how uh, GDPR technically only affected the European Union, but we couldn't avoid it here. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, there's always going to be there's always going to be holdouts. There's always going to be exceptions. Uh, Tarantino is a great uh, example of of an exception right now because uh, he said absolutely he will not make adjustments to appease the Chinese government uh, for once upon a time in Hollywood. And so the film will not be released there. So uh, we are seeing some people buck the trend, but you're, you're right. You know, for the most part, nobody's wrestling with anything. They're going, okay. (laughs) Second largest economy on the globe. Yep. Here you go. So um, it will be interesting with, with, our government effectively stepping in in some even small way with this letter, it will be interesting to see uh, if that has any effect on anything going forward. Um, We're about to talk about the last time a letter like this was sent to a group of companies uh, in the, in the U S what happened. So it's possible. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is probably powered by riff tracks, make fun of movies, or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like The Giant Spider Invasion, uh, which has just released the live event. Um, The way it works normally is for a couple of bucks, you download the MP3, Play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Um, they also offer some short films, uh, industry films like uh, The Importance of Springs, and those weird uh, films that you watched in school when your teacher didn't want to teach. Uh, but they also have uh, live events, and oftentimes the live events are made available later um, as full downloadable videos, uh, whether it be giant spider invasion or birdemic shock and terror which is my favorite of all time uh they are all available by going to f5live.tv slash riff tracks with an x i cannot tell you how many times i have watched birdemic with the riff tracks anyway all right (laughs) 
So uh, we were just talking about uh, uh, the results of of uh, Congress starting to get involved in an industry, and uh, we talked about GDPR and um, how that affected the globe, and the fact that it didn't quite affect us, but kind of did. Um, so uh, the United States uh, Congress has been putting together uh, a number of pitches for ways to deal with uh, companies that inappropriately use consumer data in a different way from the way uh, the EU tried to deal with it. Because um, we've seen uh, companies themselves inappropriately use data. For example, uh, just a week or so ago, Twitter admitted that they had been using uh, the email addresses and phone numbers that users had put in as their uh, uh, two-form authentication or their a password recovery system uh, for advertising. And then, of course, there's other companies using data through APIs. Um, you know, Cambridge Analytica obviously comes to everybody's mind right away, but there was also the the hyper thing with uh, GPS and Instagram. Um, the EU saw all of this and put GDPR into place. We, uh, as the United States, started by sending a letter to a number of tech companies going, hey guys, what the heck? Um, which is similar to the one that just went to uh, to Blizzard. Uh, and the end result is uh, a law or a bill right now called the Mind Your Own Business Act, which by the way, favorite bill name possibly ever, um, which uh, would really change the way that... Uh, companies are treated in the face of inappropriate data usage. For example, um, Senator Rom, what, Ron Wyden, who is the, the primary sponsor of the bill, used uh, Cambridge Analytica as his example and said under the proposed bill that Zuckerberg would have faced jail time for what happened, which is way different than, hey, guy, which is basically basically what happened uh, as it was. Uh, they went, shame on you. Um, so this would be a massive change in policy uh, that, again, all started with a letter from a couple of people in Congress going, hmm, I don't think so. First of all, I love the name, Abram. The <laughs> Mind Your Own Business Act is wonderful. Uh, do you think something like this ever gets passed? Probably not, but it would be nice if it did. Probably, think probably not. In its... up, but these companies have a lot of money. Uh huh. They have a lot of money to influence the political process. So it's hard for me to believe that, um, you know, it's, hard for me to believe that they will actually uh you know that they'll actually enforce this kind of thing if such a law ever happened it would probably be well we have a mandatory fine for doing it um yeah they're but it, um but if you start i mean if you start big if it, you're if you're if you're senator wyden right and you're pitching this bill yeah, you you, you gotta you, you start gotta go big. For, you gotta go for the brass ring. Yeah, and and allow 
allow uh, headroom to be uh, to be talked down. You know, if his if his goal is yeah. is a, a hefty fine, you start with jail time and allow uh, other other people in Congress to well, the problem is to water it down some. The problem is that hef, that hefty fines don't tend to work, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's so they get a they get a fine. I think the fines that they got for the last misuse were like slaps on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, all, I mean, I think, I think they do need to really take this kind of, this kind of stuff more seriously. Um, but I mean, you know, part of the problem is that Facebook, Facebook, Google, Twitter, um, you know, there's a few services on the internet that have become almost like a public utility mm-hmm. in that so many people are on them they don't really have a clear direct competitor at this point um and they have a lot of power to uh to a abuse people's information and b uh b not mention this but spread disinformation like it was pretty i found it pretty shocking this well maybe not shocking but not surprising that uh, I think this was the week when uh, Zuckerberg said that they can't do anything about about deliberately false, running deliberately false, misleading advertising, political advertising on their on their platform. Like even if we know something is a lie, we will a blatant lie. We will still run it. And I believe that's not true with television. Oh. I think there's a standards and practices. You can't. You, know, um, you can't just say something that has no basis in truth whatsoever. Political speech, there is a whole thing about political speech and um, and the process for running ads, and it is pretty difficult to justify not airing any um, political ad, even if you know that the information is incorrect. Uh, there was actually there's a wonderful episode of Boston Legal about the the bizarreness that surrounds political speech uh, when it comes to advertising for campaigns, um, in particular what uh, PACs and super PACs are allowed to do. Yeah, the, so I don't I don't know, but it was a little bit disturbing that he says, "Well, we can't really." Now, on the other hand, maybe you don't want Facebook to be an arbiter of what's true and not true because. I don't know that they would do a good job of getting it right. There's, there's definitely, there, there's an interesting suit against them right now uh, on a similar topic um, because they like to call themselves a publisher, but then um, hide behind town square laws, and uh, so there, there's a suit against them basically uh, heading to the Supreme Court that will determine whether or not they are. They fall under publisher or um, uh, town square laws. If they fall under publisher, they're liable for uh, the information that you or I or a super PAC <laughs> runs on their on their site. If they are found to be a town square, they are legally not permitted to uh, filter the content. It'll be a fascinating case. I have been following it for a year. It is going to be a fascinating and landmark case that will affect 
uh, Facebook and YouTube and a couple of other companies. It's interesting. <laughs> but it, to say the least. And we, we've talked several times about, you know, does, does Facebook want to be in the content filtering space? No, generally, because it's a slippery slope. Once they start, how do they get out? And YouTube was the same the same way. Once you start, how do you well if you if you say you can't run videos about uh anti vax, well then next is flat earth and then you know, what about actual scientific yeah. theories that haven't that aren't proven? <laughs> right? At what where Right. It's a it's a slope that gets you in trouble and you know, maybe there maybe Facebook is in, in the face of this this lawsuit in particular against YouTube, uh, it's possible that Facebook's going, whoa, maybe it's time for us to take a step back. Maybe we don't want to be in that space at all. And, you know, it, put them in the town square, which is theoretically what, when you say public utility, that put, kind of puts them, for this particular type of content, kind of puts YouTube or Facebook in the town square type space. You know, it'll be, it's, it's interesting. Uh, and, and th- obviously this law will never get passed. <laughs> this bill will never get passed yeah. as it is. It'll get glommed onto and adjusted and changed. But the fact that there's a discussion in the halls of Congress about how do we deal with this? You know, the, the, the conversation has started because the industry has very clearly said, oh, we're not interested yeah. in policing ourselves. So this week's DRM not included in F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. In addition to your free shipping, sometimes same day, uh, there's a lot of other benefits like Amazon Prime Music, where you get several million tracks you can stream for free as part of your account. You get Amazon Prime Video, which again, all kinds of content, movies, TV, documentaries, both original and licensed content. There's HBO back catalog and all kinds of stuff available. Uh, Again, as part of your subscription uh, with no extra charge, then there's Twitch Prime, which is my favorite. You get um, free games every month, which is wonderful. I have played all kinds of games uh, because of my uh, Twitch Prime subscription. And you get a free uh, subscription to any content creator that you want to help support uh, financially. You can use that uh, to subscribe to Plug Hits Live or any of your favorite uh, creators. And if you're not already a subscriber, we've got a 30-day free trial. Plus, we've got quick links to make uh, finding all of these features because they can be a little, uh, little hidden sometimes. We make them easy, and all of that can be found by going to f5live.tv/prime. Oh, Avram, another day, another streaming service. It seems like. We are going to be inundated forever with new streaming services. Obviously, at some point, the market, the bubble will pop, but that will not be today. Um, a service that has been in the works for a while that I think launched was first announced as like New View or some kind of stupid name like that is now called Quibi. 
It is run by former HP CEO Meg Whitman. Um, it has... Obviously, we've talked in the past that if you're going to get into this incredibly crowded space, you have to differentiate yourself. Um, you know, Disney Plus has differentiated itself with, um, you know, a lot of in-house, a strong catalog of in-house content. Um, and you've got, uh, uh, who else? You've got Apple TV Plus, which we were talking about a little while ago, um, that is focusing on high production, big budget, uh, custom content. Uh, Quibi decided that their niche was going to be, um, millennial content, short form, uh, episodic story driven content. Um, so rather than the traditional, it's 22 minutes because that's how long with commercials a half hour is on television. Um, or 44 for an hour long series, they are taking the more adult swim <laughs> approach and doing uh, shorter form content. Uh, but you have to get people to sign up for your service. Um, Disney Plus is doing a bundle with Hulu. Uh, Apple TV Plus is giving a year free if you buy a new iPhone. Um, Quibi took a weird approach and this week announced that they have signed a mobile exclusivity launch deal with T-Mobile. So right off the bat, they are limiting their audience. And for me, it seems like this is a really great way to anger your base right from the beginning. Cause maybe, maybe I want to use it primarily on my Xbox, but I want to go mobile. Well, I have two phones, neither of them are T-Mobile, but I'm going to pay the same as, as you, Avram, who may have T-Mobile, and get to take it mobile? That seems like a customer experience issue from day one, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, also, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes I also just, a lot of times I want to watch on my videos on the TV. So, so you're saying I can only watch this on my phone. No, no, it'll be I available. I figured out a way to cast it. It'll be available non mobile as well, but the mobile partner for launch will be T-Mobile. So you and I may pay the same to be able to use it on our Xbox and you'll have mobile access and I won't. Doesn't that seem like oh, a see. doesn't that so, seem like a customer experience so, issue? Yeah. So why why is this? How does this benefit Quibi to to have fewer possible viewers? I mean, are they getting some type of money or free promotion from T-Mobile? Well, I would hope that T-Mobile has has paid for this privilege because anything else would be insane on Quibi's part. And I would hope I don't that know the why deal mobile needs to pay for the privilege. I, I cannot who, imagine what's the benefit that anybody's going to change wireless subscribers for what is essentially a professional TikTok. <laughs> right. See that that's, that's what I don't get. Like, okay. So let's say you like the service. Maybe you would pay for it. 
I mean, I think with all the other services out there showing lots of really good content, it's hard for me to imagine this one breaking through. Uh-huh. But I mean, it sounds like it's going to be it sounds like it's going to be almost as popular as Tidal, but um <laughs> You know. Which, even though it's fifty percent owned by Sprint, is still available on the other platforms. Yes, <laughs> but it's also something where that tries to sell people things, sell people based on exclusives, and ha- and hasn't managed yeah. to exactly. I don't know how many people have title, but I don't think it's a lot. No, and I think the same will be said for uh, for Quibi. Um. But I don't get carrier exclusives. I don't know who I don't know who's really benefiting from them mm-hmm. at this point. I don't know why it's happening with the phone still. Like why is it you know, why are there still I mean I think Motorola still only makes you know, has a droid exclusive with Verizon still. Well technically and... that the droid name is owned by Verizon, in fairness. It's not owned Right, the droid by... name but they don't. But they don't come out with the same phones for other platforms. Uh huh. Um, I mean, there's just been. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of of cases where I just don't see how the company is benefiting. I don't see how Quibi is benefiting from this. Maybe that I don't know. Maybe they get some co-marketing dollars. Maybe. Maybe they'll it be. It seems unlike. It may- seems unlike. Maybe there'll be big things in in the stores. Maybe T-Mobile's doing something with their yeah. their uh, whatever the the thing is. The do they still do the Thursday thing? I don't know. Tuesdays. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. You know, I I so I'm gonna tell you, I am a T-Mobile subscriber, and the Tuesday stuff that they send is so. Is so far been so worthless that I like have kind of uninstalled the app that gives it to you because it's always some kind of really minimal uh-huh. discount on something that I didn't really want. So you in, know, maybe it's like in the early days there were a couple of, of cool things. If you go somewhere in the early days, there were a yeah. couple of cool things. There was a Netflix discount. There was a something with Spotify at one point. There yeah. there were some cool things in the first couple of months, but. Yeah, since then, it seems to have gone to what is essentially an app that pushes out um, affiliate links, <laughs> for, yeah. la- for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's, it's... Yeah, it's become a waste. Yeah. And uh, I think this, uh, I don't think this, this service is going to get very far. I also am not sure people would pay for what you would call a... Um, professional version of tiktok it just it just doesn't seem like something that's i mean with the streaming fatigue that's out there now and then you're gonna have a service that's kind of okay maybe you have some people like steven spielberg on this platform but i don't know then you have it in different uh, different you know amounts of uh, different lengths i i don't see I don't see this being a big success, and I think deciding to go carry exclusive with one carrier is a is a surefire way to 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 hasten the demise. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, even if you go and look at 
at like the big platforms, right? Um, college humor. College humor has been doing essentially this this business model for how long? And they essentially got screwed out of it. That their their old content is available on YouTube now, but I mean that's college humor as a as a platform is gone. Uh, gr- granted, they now have Dropout, which is a replacement for it. But um, yeah, they even these guys who have been around forever trying to do this exact same thing in this hyper competitive market. A decade of college humor wasn't able to to save them. How how does this little no name company? I mean, sure, Meg Whitman has a has a trail of of successes behind her. Okay, that doesn't mean that this one's going to be just because you put somebody with good management on top of a bad idea does not mean it's going to be a success. Well. It's also being done part partnership with Jeffrey Katzenberg, who is, you know, behind DreamWorks, mm-hmm. right? So, I get that they have the talent, but I don't. I just think the marketplace is too crowded, and they're not helping themselves by limiting the audience. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it'll be you know it'll be an interesting launch to watch in April of 2020. Um, but I cannot imagine that this does not roll into somebody else in very short order. Obviously, somebody's going to want the content. Netflix or Disney or or, uh, or Hulu or somebody's going to want the content uh, when this inevitably goes belly up. <laughs> but it will be Well, you know what the problem is? Yeah. One problem that I think a lot of us are having is there's so many different streaming services and there's so many different bills you have to pay. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there should be an aggregator yep. to say, like, you know, here are all of your streaming services and here's one bill and you can sort of tick off what you want, which we've seen some attempts to do by Amazon with the Prime channels. Mm-hmm. Um, or Hulu's but, same um, kind of capability. We even saw we even saw Apple try and bring uh, through the the. The not this version, but the previous version of their Apple TV stuff, they tried to bring, you know, well, this show is available through Hulu and this one is available through, but they got no buy-in from Netflix, which made the whole thing <laughs> essentially valueless. Cause... I, I just feel like there ought to be, and I'm sure, I don't know that like streaming services want this, because I think they want to own the relationship with the customer Mm -hmm. directly. But, you know, if I'm thinking about, I want to sign up for Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and Crunchyroll and BritBox and I knew that one was coming. Disney plus and all access. I I actually not, not, you know, CBS all access and like, you could just keep going and going. Isn't NBC starting a streaming service? Yeah, but service now? yeah, but Peacock is going to be uh, a free service. Oh, going to be ad supported. Like anyway, the old Hulu. so you so you so you end up uh, so you end up with just a lot of so many things that that want you to pay a bill, and it's like, man, if I want to cancel one of these, I got to make sure that I cancel it here, and they get billed at different times. 
So I think it would be useful if there was just one interface where it was like, okay, I want these services. I'm going to add and remove them as I see fit. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there is something like that sort of. It's called cable. Uh, Although it doesn't give you that level of granular control over your... Right? It doesn't give you that level of granular control over your channels. Right. You can turn on and off... HBO and Showtime, of, but not, yeah, not ESPN. But but you still like basic is still like three hundred things, right? So, yeah, but I mean, I feel like somebody could somebody could have an if they could get buy in from all the companies, really have a nice business model where yeah. they, their job was just aggregate giving you one interface to control all your streaming. It's an interesting idea for sure. Um, but I don't think that's going to help these guys out of their mess. Um, my guess is the same as yours, that, that Quibi will not be long for the world. They've got a lot of money to, to skate for a while. They got a billion-dollar investment, I believe. But um, I don't think it's going to save them from the, uh, the inevitable trash heap. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. For those of you who didn't and would like to in the future, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, And if you would like to subscribe to this and all of our other shows, you can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you will see the many, many ways that you can subscribe to all of our shows on social and podcatchers and everywhere else. Um, I guess that's it. On behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.